Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Alex Jones, and I'm the Program Manager at the Equity Foundation. And today, I have the pleasure in introducing our special guests, Dana Reid and Faisal Bazzi. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I also want to say kia ora to our New Zealand friends who are joining us today. I want to take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super have, are our principal sponsor and they have supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. If you don't have the contact details, just contact me and I can put you in contact with the relevant people. Okay, so please welcome Dana and Faisal. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. And good afternoon, Dana. How are you going today? Let me, before I actually get to that, can I just list off a, 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 number, of, um, a number of things I have written here? You might find them familiar. Uh, they might sound like a body of work. Okay, so we've got <laughs> Blue Healers, Skit House, Secret Life of Us, All Saints, City Homicide, Paper Giants, Rush, How's That, Nowhere Boys, Never Tear Us Apart, The Secret River, Miss Fisher, Murder Mysteries, Hunters, Offspring, The Wrong Girls, Sunshine, Romper Stomper, The Spanish Princess, The Handmaid's Tale, David Makes Man, The Outsider, Upload, Space Force, I Love You Too. I mean, that's all the time we have today. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> um, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Faisal. Okay, well, knowing all of that, knowing um, how your career has uh, progressed just from the work I just said, what were you doing before lockdown and uh, where do you find yourself now? Oh, look, I was um, doing season four of The Handmaid's Tale. So we were, you know, in our second week of shoot and we kind of had heard little, you know, obviously on the news, little rumours. And, and I remember I rang Yvonne Strahovski, fellow Australian, just to talk to her about some stuff coming up with her scenes. And I said to her, what do you reckon of all this, you know, this COVID all this coronavirus stuff at the time. And I said, yeah, do you, you think we'll get to shoot? And she just went, it's much, much worse than they're telling us. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I'm Eastern European. I know these things. And I'm like, what does that mean? And then sure enough, I'm driving to work and they rang and they said, we're going to shut down today. I'm like, oh my God. And I was on a plane to Australia the next day. So wow. yeah, so we, we only finished those two weeks. And you know, anyway, I'm, They've gone back into production, but I am not going. Sadly. You're not I going? Just, well, it was a really, really difficult decision. Really, really difficult. But being in lockdown still in Melbourne and with our borders closed, and I just don't think, I don't think the overseas folk really understand how serious our biosecurity laws are. Yeah. And they look at Johnny Depp. He didn't get it. And, <laughs> and I, just, I, just went, I just went, if I go now... And something gets worse and I can't go home. Anyway, it was really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, look, tough decision, but, um, you know, we're all the better for having you here. And um, 
especially me being able to ask you a bunch of questions today. <laughs> Lovely. And I've got to say, I was so stoked to, uh, when Alex told me that you were doing interviews because I'm a huge fan of much of your work, especially the merger, as we spoke about. Yes, yes, thank you. Well, I'm, yeah, ditto. I'm a massive fan of yours. And as soon as it came out that I was talking to you, um, I haven't had the pleasure of working with you, but a lot of my friends have, and uh, they were instantly messaging me, telling me um, how amazing you are to work with. Oh, that's very nice. So, so yeah, it's a pleasure. I guess the first thing I want to ask you is um, you've referred to yourself as a performance-based director. Can you expand on that? What does that mean? I think, you know, I was really fortunate that my, my career, I, I intended, you know, from a kid to, I, I wanted to, to direct stuff and I was really interested in that world, but I kind of detoured and ended up at WAPA uh, studying acting. And, uh, and so I kind of feel as though I'm blessed that I had that opportunity to, to do that and to then have a career. So coming into directing, I feel like, like I'm armed with that, you know, that skill set. Yeah. And I think lots of, lots of directors come from lots of different places to, to, to get there. They kind of, you know, there's a friend of mine was a script supervisor, there's editors, you know, DOPs, you name it. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, you know, so I, I came through a, a different path. And so it's, it's my favourite bit. I mean, I, I love the camera and I love, you know, creating a beautiful visual palette. But at the end of the day, you know, when I, when I get in there with actors, that's my favourite bit to, 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 to work together mm -hmm. To create those characters and to feel, you know, it's just such a relief. Oh, I'm so glad I went to Whopper and I did that stuff because the language is the same. You know, it's not a mystery. I think a lot of people treat um, acting as a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's a, mm. it, as we say, it's a craft, and there's a real logic to all the things we do. There may be every different actor has a different process. Mm. We're not all going to have the same process, but I just love being able to get in there and, and muck in and find out what that process is. Each actor, you know, kind of talk to them and go, oh, okay, so you're going to approach it like that. You're going to be like that. Some people are really cerebral. Some people are really physical. Some people are a bit method. Some people are really technical and just get in there and kind of work out the best way to create the character. Well, does your, does your approach change depending on, uh, their method, their methodologies. So, if and if you were if you're working in a scene with two actors who have different approaches, how would you tackle that? So, a really interesting one with that was working with Ashiketi and with Rob Carlton on um, Paper Giants, mm -hmm. and also with what I had to deal with. So, when we were shooting in Kerry Packer's office, mm -hmm. the wide shot was always we had a beautiful, uh, real kind of mid-century building that we were shooting in that looked out onto another cool mid-century building. So, you know, lovely wide shot looking into that office. And so that's usually how you would start a scene. You would start a scene with your, your wide shot and you know, go in. And of course, because it was Kerry's office, he'd get the coverage first and you'd swing around. That would be the methodology, but it became really clear because of the magnitude of what Rob had to do. You know, Rob was, uh, you know, had been, and all this sort of stuff and this was a very big serious character role mm. i realized pretty quickly that he he liked to get into it he liked a lot of takes and and he would find his way into it and because he had so much to think about he had to think about the physicality and his face and his business voice and 
so it's like, you know, you, you, you need a lot of rehearsal to bring those things together. Mm. And by down on Asha, she would be over that scene because she's done it too many times. So what we would do, we changed our methodology. We would shoot the wide, so everyone knew where they were, and we would swing around and we would do Asha's work because of the way she likes to work, her instinct and, you know, she's, she's got it and she's fresh. Um, mm. And then we would, that would give Rob the opportunity to get into his self, like literally into his fat suit, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know. And then by the time we swung around on Rob, he's firing. You know, he's got all that stuff there. So but that's kind of from learning and making mistakes early when you, you know, and you got to go, okay, you work that way, you work that way. What's the best, best methodology that I can bring to it to get the best performances from those actors? Yeah, and it's, 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 yeah, it's interesting you say about the making mistakes because it's being a director is such a vulnerable profession. Um, even where you place the camera, you're going to get uh, scrutinised later on. Like, why did, why did you do that? Um, what story are you trying to tell? Do you find that a lot, of that a lot of that learning came early on and were people <laughs> as forgiving as you were to yourself? Look, I mean, if they, you know, I was really fortunate um, that I got to work on, on shows like Blue Healers and, and like MDA and like all that that were longer running mm. that you get you get to practice and and fail but there's you can't fail because there's too many people around you to let that happen. That they yeah, and they were really all those people really supportive in making sure that you can deliver what you're best at. Mm. Um, but I still stuff up now. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like seriously, you really oh, you idiot. Yeah, like just and you just rectify it and kind of ignore, you've got to acknowledge it really quickly, not just sit there and go, I think I might have stuffed that up to go, just go, here you have, fix it. You know, <laughs> so in the least amount of time. Yeah. Um, the fact that you were an actor before, um, you'd said that um, what you loved about acting was breaking down the text and working through a performance like a piece of music. And now you still get to do that, but um, someone else is doing the acting. Um, <laughs> Two prong question. Uh, do you, is there even like a slight bit, like a, like an itch to still get back out there in front of the camera? Well, quick answer with a shake of the head. And um, uh, can you explain how you, um, how you, how you do that with actors? Is it like a, um, do you try to put them into your vision or do you, do you try to like no. go with them where their kind of, their instincts are taking you? I'll always go with them first. I mean, I'll know what, yeah, I've read it and I go, I know what this is. I mean, it's interesting in their casting process. If you're, you know, in a in a position where you're setting up a show and you can cast, it's that thing of what you've read, and then whoever auditions for it who has that similar kind of vision that you do, you know, you often that's the person who gets the job. Yeah. yeah. Um. But you know, in those episodic um, shows in America, often you know you might choose someone in a guest role that the showrunner chooses someone else or, you know, they want other people that bring, so you just, I just go, well, what is that person bringing mm. and watch what they're doing. I mean, I'll do that with everybody. I'll watch what they're bringing mm. first. It's actually, again, one of my favorite parts of the process is the audition process to see what an actor will bring mm. to it and then work with that, you know, go, look, okay, oh, that's really amazing. It's something I haven't seen before let's that's what wasn't how how I, I saw it but it's i like it better and, yeah and and work with that 
So is it easier to be part of the audition process just so you can kind of try to curate and, 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 and place people where, where you best think not only the, suits the character but suits working with you? Yeah, I, I prefer that because, yeah. I mean, I also, because I'm a lot of uh, television stuff, it, again, it's different if you're setting it up. It's a much more, mm. it's, it's a more comfortable place to be for rehearsals as well. But if that's not the case, often I'll use that audition process as a rehearsal. Like mm. go, oh, this person, this person is a real contender here. Let's try it a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. And then that person might get the job and you go in and go, you know, when we did that in the audition room, Let's yep. go back to that, and and you've already got that language yeah, yeah. from the audition, because yeah, you just take any opportunity you can to kind of work something through. Yeah, and um, yeah. Spe- speaking of rehearsals, um, do you try to make sure that you always have that rehearsal time? I mean, it's not always available given the turnaround of shows, especially if you're not the setup um, director. But if you do have that time, how much would you like the actor to have? develop the character before rehearsals or do you want to be starting from scratch with them? Look, I'm, again, I'm never going to stop an actor from doing their own work. Um, mm. Again, it's another reason why I respect actors so much because actors do so much unpaid work like that, mm. regardless. Um, but I always will push for rehearsal time because, you know, it's, it's time to discuss script and get on the same page and, and, and form a trust. Like, even if I'm, I don't get up and mark the room up and block it we don't do any of that i just get you know it's a, you know just a table talk we we talk through it and we might talk through those particular moments and what mm. where we're going and and if there's anything that bumps with a particular actor we kind of nut that out and mm. and work out that knot so that we have more time on set i'm a big one for let's not discuss this on set do you work beforehand yes because yeah. If we're talking, we're not taking, you know, yeah. we're not rolling. And what you want is, is I mean, yeah, some actors might want one take, some might want five, but at least if you have the time, you can choose to do that. You know, you've got yeah, more, more time doing the acting than talking about it. Yeah. If you're filming and an actor has a, has, starts having a problem with the character or the script, now how would you approach that delicately <laughs> um, to try oh, to... <laughs> I'm at the point now of going, we did have that discussion, didn't we? But if you had an issue, you were going to call me and yet here we are. And then I'll actually do it. Okay, I can say, let's, let's, yeah, let's, get, let's get to the bottom of that. And look, I'm at that point now, you'll know, you'll know if it's a real thing or if you know, because often it's fear or often it's ego or often it's, I don't know, there's a resistance. I completely understand that because it's, so exposing being an actor it's yeah it's just horrifying that's why when you ask me if I miss it I'm like (laughs) um and so I I respect that so I'll try and find out what it is and then it's that thing of going all right yeah because I know if yeah I said I love working with Asha Ketty and if Asha Ketty has it balks at something because there's something wrong and, you know, because it's a lot of work and you, you want to miss something, you go, mm. right, okay, stop. And I go, what about that? And she'll go, no. Nah. I go, okay, could we try it like that? And she'll go, I think that'll work. And she'll give it a go. Yeah, that's sort of, it's about just finding the drive, the finding, I know it sounds, 
everyone takes the piss about out of saying finding the motivation but it is you know it's like what's <laughs> pushing you so yeah just i guess that it, you try and you've got to take the time to find out what the problem is but i usually preface it not to asha kenny but you know if, it, if it's a guest actor i'll go yes we did have that conversation <laughs> i won't go say that so yeah you know anyone i, I try and let everyone just ring me up i will always call people if i can't yeah say something like the handmaid's tale you know i've come in and i'm episode seven mm. they're all either overseas all changed now but they'll be like you know say say joe fines will be in spain because that's where he lives mm. he's not there or they're working so you don't have a lot of time to to rehearse with them so i just call them all and discuss where their characters have been you know where they've been going i mean i've read it and i've watched it but it, mm. it's really good to hear it from where they're coming from so you get an understanding of what where they're headed so when you're in, on the set again we can say oh should we try it like that like we talked about you know so you've got that understanding with them yeah now i know that if we ever work together and you ever turn to me and say we've had that discussion that i'm in hot water <laughs> and i should have done my homework better <laughs> okay i, I want to know about what it was like coming up in the australian industry starting out your directing as a female director and if you've noticed changes for like in, in the positive or the negative since then it's interesting this Australian experience, yes, there is definitely sexism. And yes, there's definitely people who assume you don't know what you're doing. And there's a realisation where you know, I, at first I thought it was because I was new, inexperienced, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then certain people will do it now and you go, oh, no, it wasn't my youth. <laughs> it was my gender. Oh, okay, right, got it. But mostly... You know, I, I've got to say, I think my first job was on Blue Healers mm. and I think they were actively seeking out fe nurturing female directors. So you're appealing to a female audience, which is mm. more people watching. Mm. So if, if, you're, if you're doing that, you're, it's more ratings. So it makes lots of sense to try and do that. So there were, you know, they were increasing that when I was starting on Blue Healers and then, of course, I went into... Uh, Secret Life of Us, and there was quite a few female directors on that show, and it uh, and it kind of got more and more. So now it feels that there's always less. I mean, that's the the issue. It's kind of like this is mentality that oh, if there's if there's a if there's a few, that's enough, which is mm. not right. Of course, it should be you know, equal for everyone. But it did seem like Australia was doing better. But then, obviously, my first job was in Handmaid's Tale. There's a lot of women directing that, a lot of people in that production. But I, you, can, you can feel it. You have to kind of earn your stripes again and people aren't listening to you. And you kind mm. of go, I'm so used to everyone listening to me in Australia and they've just stopped here. Oh, I have to kind of, you know, you to, like a couple of times you've had to throw your weight around, which is boring. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a shame that it happens. I hope it doesn't happen anymore. But... Um... <laughs> I, you know, we'll see. I'm sure it will. Look, it's yeah. There's uh, yeah. I, I I always I find parallels with um with that kind of stuff. With also uh, you know, artists of color trying to 
to get a to get a leg up in every facet of the industry and yes. sometimes the response you get is um is you should be lucky to be here kind of thing and you i know you, it's very much that thing of going oh there's one of you that's enough isn't it yeah oh totally. we've got one of you yeah yeah and you're like uh no thanks uh let's <laughs> let's populate everything <laughs> yeah spread it out Just spread it out please uh You've also said that it's interesting being a woman director to get to tell men's stories and to show men in vulnerable story, like uh, to show the vulnerability of men in stories. How do you think that impacts the work and the, the, the response of, of the things you direct like that? I guess I remember when we were all sitting around with the Channel 9 people before How's That, before we were going into pre, and they were really worried about how are we going to appeal to a female audience? How are, we, how are we going to, and because it was about cricket. And I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Probably not that placating, really. They're just going, don't worry about it. But because I, to me, it was, I don't know, it was such a vulnerability. I'm not very sporting, but I love sports movies because mm. there's that, that love, that drive for one thing. You know, and, and I knew that I was going to go in there and, and find all those blokes' vulnerabilities about what they wanted because <laughs> speech that Kerry Packer does, he goes, my dad loved blah, 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 but he loved cricket. And he just goes, okay, because that's, you know, men cry about cricket. And there's a thing. So anyway, so that fascinated me of going into what the heart of it was. So, and I don't know what a bloke would have done directing that. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, and often in meetings, you know, when I'm in writers' rooms, there can be a focus on an intellectual kind of aspect to it. And I'll go, I'll go back and I'll go, no, no, no. What is this actually about? Okay, this is actually about fear. Mm. Not, not politics. It's not about or, or winning. It's about fear or it's about, you know, loss or, and, and finding what it actually is. So I kind of go in that way and just you know, imagine, I guess because I'm not, not a man, but imagine what a man would do when he's afraid of something or if he loves something. Mm. Which I think is far more interesting anyway, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not about the actual, um, yeah, it's not about, like you said, it's not about the actual sport. It's about uh, what, what, what makes those people do those things. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your... What would you like an actor to have on hand when they come on onto a set? You know, you, you've said you said already the options and um, to kind of be prepared to know their work. Is is there something that another two prong question? Is there something that you would like, and is there something that all of the actors you love working with share, like a similar kind of attribute that you go, that's what makes them a great actor? I always have your lines. I think that's that's. <laughs> that's a really good place to start because you know, I'm, then you get the best from me, you know, that's mm -hmm. sort of, because you, you're not scrambling for that. You're at that next level. I think yeah. you just don't, don't, you know, my, my favorite actors are uh, like, trust me. I think that's always good. Yeah. <laughs> but because I, as I always say, I'm only ever here to make you look good. That's, that's, that's my, you know, I'm, I'm not there to go, you will do my bidding and you yep. are merely putty in my hand. I'm, <laughs> I'm here to make you look good. Like I go, what, how can we make you the best 
at this that we can today. Yeah, you're not there so, to sabotage. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and look, I understand that it might not always be in the case and people go, there's a lot of people who really just want you to say it the way I imagined it in the shower. You know, and, <laughs> you know, we will not move on until you do that. And that I've got no interest in that. Um, so it's also that thing of, yeah, I'm just, I've, of being open, I'm, I'm so up for what you want to do, but if we want to push in another direction, don't be afraid of that. I'll take care of you. I've kind of a couple of times, I've this is not on the job, this is in an audition. And I know it's hard. Like, that's the thing. I know it's hard when someone walks in and they're auditioning for one role and you go, holy crap, I should have done the other one. You know, because mm. you, you, your 10 by 8s only do so much. I mean, mm. I kind of make a, a point of trying to get to see everyone's work and know what actors actually can do besides the 10 by 8 photo. And I'll swap it. I'll go try that. And I've had a couple of actors crack the shits at me for doing it. And you kind of go, yes, I know, I know, but cracking the shits at me is not going to help me get the job. <laughs> but I understand. Just go out, take your time. Let's work on it together. It'll be all right. Yeah, so I think trust is the big one. But again, I have to earn that as well. You can't just walk into any old set and trust everybody. I understand that you know you've got to get the lay of it as well because yeah. it is such a being an actor is such a vulnerable place to come from. Yeah, pushing the actors aside for a second, which um, you know is very hard to do. Uh, what? <laughs> how do you approach the other aspects of directing? Like uh, you know, not only you're in charge of the vision, you're in charge of the story, but you also have to deal with producers and writers and um, showrunners and people just coming at you from all sides, trying to pull your attention. How do you, how do you deal with that? How, or do you, do you just have a laser like tunnel vision of what's important at that time? It, it, especially like in Australia is much more that, you know, the producer, the writer and the director all working together. Mm. But in America with this, that you feel like you've got to, it's like on a roller coaster ride, and you've just got to hang on because and trust yourself and go. I know if we do it this way, it's going to be good, and kind of try and hang on to the vision and not get it pulled. You've got to take on all that stuff and listen to everybody and kind of you know, listen to the good bits. But one of my most interesting ones is working on um, Upload. Uh, which was with Greg Daniels, who is the uh, creator of the American office. And I did Space Force with him as well. And I guess I'm lucky that I've, I was in comedy as a performer and as a director. And, and Americans are different in comedy. It is, it's weird. They're different. But he came in and he was really, he's a genius, but um, he came in and he's like, I want you to do it a different way. And, I, and I'm like, I don't, I knew it wasn't going to make any difference and he was having some kind of thing. It was his nervousness and, you know, and we would lose about an hour if we did it. And I knew in my heart that it would not make any difference. <laughs> I just remember I turned around and went, do you, oh, okay, okay, do you mind very much if I don't do that? Because, <laughs> they are, you know, this thing that would be on the end and he's like, oh, oh, and apparently when it's like this, she won't do as I say. It was fine. Anyway, we kind of made our way through it and I went and worked for him again. But yeah, someone else might have cracked shit and not liked it. <laughs> and you've just got to, it's that gauge of who does what, you know, yeah. who, who's, who's going to be open to that and who's not going to be open to that. 
and sometimes they'll be right. And so it is that just, just you know, always trusting your instinct and going, is that going to be worth the hour I'll lose to change yes. the blocking? Probably not. Yep. So I'll deal with it or will it be better? So, you know, is it worth the hour? Usually. <laughs> Um, well, you started touching on um, uh, international projects. How did you first, what was, what was the first thing that um, put you on the radar internationally? Did, were you trying to get something or did someone contact you? Um, and, and, I, yeah. I decided to, oh, um, my friend and colleague, Kate Dennis, was doing very well overseas. And I just thought, you know, it was that thing of what's next. I've got to say, I... I love genre. I love science fiction and I love all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I wasn't going to get to do it here. Well, at the time, that's changing now in Australia. But, and I just went, you know, I really I just wanted to see what, what, what might happen. So I did a few trips over, helped by Kate Dennis a lot. And, you know, got an agent. Yeah, I didn't really know much about all that sort of stuff, but mm. got an agent, came back. And, and it was that thing of going, you have to kind of, say no to stuff here, which is a little bit scary. Mm. And uh, and then strangely enough, um, got a call and did an interview for The Handmaid's Tale and, and got it. Amazing. I know, it was, in, it, was <laughs> it was crazy. I think they were looking for people who weren't affected by the showrunner's system of, of just always checking with everybody else. They were looking for people who, you know, make it their own and I guess we get more of a chance to do that here that's how the Australian system does it you're not just you're not just footage gathering for a writer you're you're yeah you're realizing stuff yeah so, and you yeah. certainly did make it your own you were nominated for an Emmy for one of your episodes which is incredible <laughs> it's so interesting it was very much suited to the way I'd like to shoot mm-hmm. there was something very striking about it yeah, you know, there was. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a stylized. It was really quite visceral. You know, she was stuck in that house mm. and had to just do stuff. You know, she. I've got what. Oh, there's a car. I'll find the keys to the car. Mm. I'll try and get the car out. I'll. I'll you know, and all that. It was really different to the rest mm. of it, and it kind of suited me. So I was really fortunate to get that episode. That's so great. And did you find that after? after you know the the successes on the handmaid's tale it led to uh, easier opportunities or more opportunities uh from that yeah i mean it, it kind of just you know kind of went from there it was um i went off to england after that um and then back to america oh it's that amazing job david makes man in florida which i'm gonna ask about that can you um yeah. you know can you can you please Tell me and everyone else the process of <laughs> getting the job on David Makes Man and what that meant for you and, yeah, everything about it. It was astonishing. So it's, it was for Oprah Winfrey Network and it was uh, the, the gentleman whose story was uh, Moonlight, Terrell mm. McCraney, who um, yeah, lovely, you know, big theatre pr- practitioner in New York. But it's an it's a African-American show. And, and, and when I did the interview for it, I'm like... I'm never getting this. You know, I'm a white Australian woman. What do I know? So I was really relaxed in the interview and I just went, yeah, just enjoyed the fact that I got to meet those people and just kind of went, yep, oh, that's good. And I got the job. 
Oh my god. I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my god. So it was really <laughs> it's very moving because I was the only white director. And again, I'm not American, so I I did not I often the scripts were very Miami, you know, uh, the African American culture in Miami vernacular. So I couldn't understand it. And I'd have to say to them, I'm I'm reading it either with an Australian accent, so I really need you, I've got to go through everything mm. because I, there's, I know nothing. So it was really a massive learning curve and, uh, yeah, in, incredible. And I was working with, so it's, it's like Moonlight, this, the middle section. So it really concentrates on that character in his teen years. So mm-hmm. in Moonlight, you've got the, he's a child and then a teen and then a, a man. Mm-hmm. And so it's really very much that, that, middle section so in a sense it's kind of like a family drama mm. and you're working with i was working with the most amazing teenage actors it was it was totally phenomenal i still can't believe i got to do it and on set for something like that where you are the only white person and you're a woman on top how how are they towards you like the people you had to work with look strangely enough it's the I was the only white director. There's lots of, you know, white, or everybody was in the crew. It was, yes. like, you know, yeah. it was very diverse and, um, and, and amazing. And also a crew that, you know, Florida isn't a, uh, Orlando is not a huge centre of production. So everybody loved being there. You know, yeah, they loved to be working and they were all fantastic. It was, was there a different shorthand? Was, it, was there a shorthand developed, uh, like, just to kind of, bridge both the gaps well because Terrell is is a theatre guy mm. there's a lot of theatre people so really that the, the only there's only me kind of first going cultural but then you just go oh this is oh this is theatre world oh mm. I know this <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was very very um yeah it was more theatre mob than than film and television yeah. You know, so it was uh, that was a really easy kind of in then. Yes. Yeah. You know, so um, we kind of just got on on that level, and it was yeah, it was much more simple than I imagined it to be. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, I guess now in the world we find ourselves in, what's what do you see as your next step? Like, uh, are you are you going to focus more on Australian stuff for the next little while, just because it's probably safer and more guaranteed or will you still try to look for the right projects uh, away from home? Look, it's always hard being away from the family anyway. You know, so we kind of, even when things were, you know, everyone was healthy and there was no COVID, it was something that we always planned and would work out how much time of the year we would do that. But this year was supposed to be coming back and work film here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that can't happen, unfortunately. But I was also developing a couple of projects. That was the plan when I got back from Handmaid's Tale was to develop those as well. So I'm just doing that. Yeah. So we have, that was kind of the plan anyway. I'm just doing it for longer. Yeah. And I guess you know we you hope to get back overseas again. You know. <laughs> at some stage but yeah. you have to see how i mean you know, it's pretty scary in the us those numbers so we'll just have to wait and see yeah yeah there's a, yeah yeah you know I've been hopefully thinking. they'll come here 
Well, I think they will. Like, you know, I think with, with, with coronavirus, um, uh, the, the important race stuff that's happening over there and also the election, it's just, it's probably, you know, we need a few months to give them a bit of space, I think, before we do anything. I think my final question before I hand over to the other participants to ask you questions is, what is your advice to, to, to young directors trying to not only make a name for themselves, but um, get a bit of experience? Like, how do they go about that? Look, it used to be, you know, that there were so many more episodes being made. You know, that, I think that was, you know, to be able to, like, I did lots of attachments um, and I did them, you know, on Good Healers. I did them on a show called Stingers. Um, you know, I, I did lots of those because there were loads of episodes. And same when I started, there were lots and lots of, episodes in, you know, to, to, to be a part of and that doesn't really happen as much. Hopefully everything changes so hopefully mm. that will continue to change as well when we're seeing shows like The Heights and all which have more episodes coming through but in that really it's about making short films I think and then you know, make those short films. You know, short films are, we've got uh, so much, I don't want to say so much easier to make but you have more opportunities to make them on your phone. And you know, but then the technology wasn't there when I made my short films. Mm. Yeah, and you probably have more creative probably. control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you kind of go, yes, you do. And then you can, there's so many places you can enter those short films and start from there. So that's my advice. Get out and do that. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm going to hand over to Alex now to, so you can get some questions from our lovely listeners <laughs> thank you both now i've got i'm asking on um, someone's behalf dana how have you found american comedic sensibilities different from australian comedy it's it's a really interesting thing it is different look i've always found that there seems to be like there's a maybe there's a, a rigor to it or there's an awareness to it that we don't have, we're kind of a bit more back foot there, more front foot. It's really hard to put your finger on, but it is very different. Whereas we are the master of the understated. They are more, perhaps more overstated, but not always. You know, um, it was really interesting working on Space Wars and watching Steve Carell work. And he is understated. Like it's, you know, really, really quiet and gentle, um, which is more like us, but I guess the jokes themselves in the writing is different. So, but again, it's very hard to say exactly what it is. We have a much more wry attitude to the world, I think. I'm looking at Francis. Francis. Yeah, first of all, thank you for your time. My question is, what did you find the most challenging in your first directing job? My first, first, like um, on Blue Healers. Yeah, I think. I, yeah. Yes. I think it's it's trust. It is a thing of trusting your instincts of, of of trusting the choice you've made, and you know, and not a lot of people because yeah, when I first started, a lot of people are worried you don't know what you're doing, um, and so you, you can doubt yourself. I think it's that thing of going. I mean, and by all means, you should examine that. Examine your own choice. But I know, so for example, everyone will go, where's the camera going? Like when we're blocking and I'll go, 
it'll be going where I'm standing. I'm standing where the camera is. You know, it's just because you, you kind of, you know what you want to see and how you see it. So it is that thing of just, it's just having a little think to yourself and going, is this what I want? Yes, it is. Trust it, move on and make a decision. I think that's a really important thing to do. I've always talked about one time the costume people came and said, what dress do you want? The red dress or the black dress? And I remember going, oh yeah, whatever. And the look on their face was like such horror. And I went, the red one, the red one, just make the decision. <laughs> cool. Hello there. Uh, g'day Hello, Matthew. Howdy. Uh, thanks very much, Dana, Faisal, and to Equity for organising this. I was just trying to draft a question so I can say it properly because now I'm on the spot. But um, I was wondering, for creating content in Australia, if you could please share any insights of um, what statistically appeals to Australian viewers? What kind of make up the largest demographics of Australian viewers? Look, I think, I think it's the great unknown question is the one about what do people want? And I think you can twist yourself in knots guessing what is going to fly. And I think the truth is no one knows anything. That's what I've come to realise. So I would say write and create what you want to watch, especially now with all these different platforms and access to all those different people. I think that's otherwise trying to please all the other people that way lies madness. I think just go, what do I want to see? And do that. Is that that's helpful? Fantastic. I hope it is. No, that, that, that's really encouraging. So thank you very much. Hello. Hi there. I was wondering, you, you spoke a bit before about uh, doing short films and that was, you know, entering that into festivals and that was kind of how, uh, you know, you started out, even though it wasn't necessarily, you know, in the same um, decade, having the technology that we have now. Uh, my question is, I'm curious about how you kind of started your career. You mentioned Blue Healers, but if I was curious if you had any advice about um, how you started out and like if you had any advice for people uh, going through that same process now, kind of entering the industry, if you could shed some light on kind of how you went about that process and uh, if you did have a short film, kind of what you did with it in the beginning and uh, yep. yeah. So, I mean, I, I went, obviously I, I went to university and did film and television um, in Perth and, uh, uh, and kind of then I went off and went to WAPA and I got into acting school and did that. And then I was kind of out auditioning agent, all that sort of stuff. But when it came to when I decided that I'd had enough of the acting thing, I remember thinking, do I go back and go to VCA or do something like that? And I thought, mm. you know, I've been on set a lot. Um, and so I just pulled everything together and I did, I made a short film uh, and I was really fortunate yeah, and everyone, everyone's situation will be different, like how you can pull it together to make a short film. Um, I wrote it and I was lucky to get supported by the crew at Channel 7, where I've been working for years, who came and helped me shoot it. Because, again, it was, you needed all the bells and whistles. Back then, you couldn't shoot up. There was no you know, smartphones. Uh, so, yes, I, I made a short film and I put it into Tropfest. And it got into the finals of Tropfest, which I, personally was the little bit of success that I needed to continue, you know, to go, am I just, you know, deluding myself that I've got any, you know, talent in this area or 
should is it something I should pursue? And getting into the Trop Fest finals was that little kicker. From then, you know, you could kind of spend a lot of time sending your. You can find out. I think Phil Victoria will tell you where all the festivals are, and you could really you could do it almost full time to put your film out, and you need to do it like for that year after you make it to all the different festivals. Um, and my short went to that and to, I just did that in St Kilda. Um, and I didn't do any international ones. I just don't know why I was doing and that. was kind of like done. you earning your stripes, I suppose, it, it, like proving that you had some kind of credential to then go on, you know, find a directing agent and, you know, get opportunities elsewhere like Blue Heels. Yeah, I think, I think it helped the healers people because, you know, what I did there, um, because where I did Full Frontal, which was the television show I was on with at Channel 7, and Blue Heels was in the next studio. Right. And I, so I knew that they did director's attachment. So I went in on my last night, I went in and I asked them if I could come in and do an attachment. They said, yep, come in Monday morning. So I started doing those. And I used to do it, like, at the beginning, I did it for nothing. But then Film Victoria has, you know, had um, grants for uh, doing attachments. So I did a few of those. When you say well. attachments, what do you, what do you mean, sorry? Um, direct, shadow, shadow directing. So you'll go oh, right. and you'll watch you go and watch a directed work. So yeah. I watched um, Kevin Carlin do several uh, episodes of Blue Healers, uh, Ray Quint, another director, as well, uh, David Caesar on Stingers. So I was learning and I would watch them, their process. Um, it's kind of the running the machine, how they broke down their scripts, you know, how they worked out their shots, how they rehearsed, how they did all, you know, kind of, it's like, you know, I would liken it to you know, learning how to drive a car, You're learning how to drive that machine. You know, the machine of episodic television has this, these many steps in it and learning those steps. And then once you've kind of got those steps, then you get your creative within that. And you, you know, so if, you, if you're doing a particular show, you go, well, you're creative within the style of that show. So yeah, that's how I deal with, with, um, with director's attachment. And look, it was, there were more opportunities for those at that stage because, you know, there were 22 episodes of Blue Healers. That is really hard to do now because you, you'll get six episodes, you'll get four, you know, it's of, of a particular show. But I found that really, really rewarding. So, yeah, I kind of did attachments and I did um, short films. So, yeah, that's kind of how I, I learned at the beginning. Thank you. Dana, another one on behalf. Um, what differences have you found between directing theatre actors and film and television professionals, if any? Um, well, look, again, it depends on the character. Oh, this is a good one, though. Okay, so <laughs> this, was, this was amazing. So we were on Secret River and we were doing the scene where Will Thornhill meets the Darug, the Aboriginal tribe. And... Trevor Jamison, who's a big theatre practitioner, was playing Greybeard. And he did the biggest performance you have ever seen in your life of what that would be. Like it was, it was massive. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, how do I change this? Like, and it's the thing about it's, you know, I'm I'm directing an Aboriginal actor playing a, you know, an ancient, you know, 
Aboriginal person. So how do we do it? And we, the sun's going down, so time is, you know, the light's going. And I'd go, oh, you know, Trev, um, just a little bit smaller, mate. You know, it's sort of a little bit smaller. And it kept being the same. And I'm like, and, you know, and some of, this is the interesting thing because some of the other um, Aboriginal performers were very still and very small. They're just coming from a different place. You know, they're just performers who come from a different you know, way of doing things. And eventually, after about the fifth take, Trevor turned to me and goes, oh, less Bangara. And I went, <laughs> yeah, mate, yep, that's it. Yeah. So it was that thing of he was really feeling it as he would have in the theatre because he's played it in the theatre as well. So it was just that thing of going, finding the language that, and I let him find the language to bring it, bring it down to that level that there was just a stillness, you know, and, and it was really important with the, you know, that you've got, you've got people who you're pretending don't understand English as well. So there was that, it was, look, it was a fascinating kind of balancing act with that one. I mean, I luckily I, I know Trevor from you know, Western Australia, so we're, it, that was good. But that was hard. So it can be that sometimes your tendency is, as a theatre performer, is to be well, just. It's a different thing because I was, you know, it's like it's. Like I would say, you know, acting for the theatre is like the gym because physically you are filling that space. So your energy and, and your vocals and everything is going bang, like it's right out there. And, but at the same time, you don't want to go too far in because it's boring. It's like finding, just finding that, you know, where am I sticking my energy? So I guess it's that. It, we just got to find where to stick your energy. And some, sometimes, especially if someone's just come off a theatre gig, they get, it's like they're super fit. If you know what I mean, like super fit, you know, the performance is like bang, and you go, okay, well, let's just bring it back a bit, you know. So, I don't know. It's different every time. Everyone's different. Hello, Faisal. Thank Hello. you so much for running such a great conversation. Your questions are awesome, and I cannot get over your performance in Stateless. I'm still thinking about it. Um, Dana, I just have a question about. You know, I'm really interested in the divide between like acting class and then working on set. And I was wondering if you've seen anything from actors here and overseas that, that they do just on set, like moments before you're rolling or between takes, any little like technical tips or physical things or breathing or talking that, that you've noticed come up? Look, it, it depends again on what kind of actor you are. What I've noticed is... I mean, I only talk about an example. So um, with, um, again, I'll go back to Rob Carlton with um, doing Kerry Packer. And Rob would come on set and because he's, you know, he, he's a funny man and he would be funny. He would be funny, he would be funny, he'd be funny and, you know, and, uh, and on and, and then he'd kind of be a bit physically or energetically puffed when it came to doing Kerry. And it was a, his first big dramatic role. So in the end I said, sit down and don't talk to anyone. I don't want you to talk to anyone. And it almost killed him because that's his <laughs> way of being. It's like, oh, really? I'm like, yep. You know, you, you, I want you to sit there and not speak to anyone. And it was great because then all that energy that he has 
would go poof, like when he was carrying. So it was like we harnessed it. So that was an interesting thing to kind of watch. Another one that was um, watching a guest actor, and this is really hard, especially if you know if you haven't worked for a while, and you do your line run, and then we sit down and we show the crew. You know, so it's kind of like the you know we're blocking for camera, and then to watch that actor give the performance of their life, and you just go, oh, crap. You know, it's just the camera's not on. But they're so nervous because, you know, it's everyone's watching now. It's that instinct because everyone's watching now to go for it. And I think that was always something that I often will say to guest actors on a show is going, this is how we're going to do it. We'll do a line run and then we'll do the blocking for camera. Don't give me everything. I mean, if it's, you know, if, you're, if your guest actor is the seasoned professional, you know, but, you know actor or winning legend, maybe don't need to say that, but it's just, it's that thing of going, of being mindful not to, not to give your all because we, you know what it's like. Everyone, you, you, once you've cracked it and then suddenly you've got to do it again, it's going to take you a few goes to get back to that spot. And you're always wrestling with yourself mentally anyway because you're going I bloody just blew it <laughs> so <laughs> as a, you know oh so I often will say that if I can feel that actor is you know is ready to do that it's going okay we're we're going to do that that don't give me everything remember to wait until we're rolling you know and that actor was not a baby not new it was just that thing of not being you know, just it's it's practice and it it's instinct to give you a lot your all, and you just got to time it right. Yeah, thank you so much. No worries. Oh, hello. <gasps> lovely to see you. Thanks, Dana. So lovely seeing your face and hearing all your stories. Oh, nice to see you, Nicole. I have to say, every time I see you credited, like the first time I was watching Handmaid's Tale and you were credited, I was got up and did a little dance. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Great session. Now that we've got you back here, what are your plans? Have you got any wish lists? It, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm developing a few things of, of my own that I'd like to do here because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, being Australian, you want to do Australian things and be here. You know, you hope to develop things and do more stuff here as well as go, you know, kind of juggle, do both. Bit over there, bit here. I just have to say that Nicole is in uh, one of the best shots I've ever shot. <laughs> she's a, she's, a de she's dead, but she's in it. it, was it in this that was gruesome. Somebody pulled my brain out of my nose. I forgot to call my mum before she watched it. Horrifying. <laughs> Such a cool shot, though. It was really good. Kind of ran. We went past and they ran in. We went right up over through these flaming things and there's Nicole dead on the floor, the nun. Beautiful shot. You're beautiful. Dana's amazing to work with everybody. I hope you all get the chance. She's generous fun. and, you know, you run a beautiful set, Dana. So really. we all work, we all give up too much to be actors to have a nasty time when you finally get a job. <laughs> when you finally get a job, should be good, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good words. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Equity. Thanks for running it.
Um, well, I think that's uh, all the questions we have from our lovely listeners. Before we let you go, Dana, I just want to ask one final thing. Just if you could go back to the younger you starting out, what is one bit of advice you would give? Oh, it's that thing of, yeah, trust yourself. Don't doubt yourself so much. That would be it. Great. Great. Yeah. Well, Dana Reed, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I'm sure everyone got so much out of the talk um, and it was a pleasure to talk to you uh, personally myself. So thank you, Equity, for setting this up and thank you, Dana. Thanks, Faisal. So nice to talk to you. Nice and to thanks you. on behalf of Equity and everyone on here. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Alex. Dana. See you all. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dana. Bye. Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.